All right, everybody. Well, do me a favor and let's celebrate all our Dream Team members today. Can we do that? All of our team members making a difference. Our team members who help put, put on, I hate to say it's a production because it isn't, but they help partner with us as a church in carrying out the vision for our Sunday morning service and during the week leading small groups, serving in our community. If you're interested in becoming part of our dream team, which I know you are, and so I'm so glad that you asked. We have a newcomer's lunch coming up. Again, November, we'll be having our growth track, and it kicks off with our newcomer's lunch that's coming up Sunday, November 6th, I believe, if my mind serves me right. If it's not the 6th, just look around on your calendar, the first Sunday in November, somebody. Also, I do want to invite, this is an all Play. Two words. Will everybody say it? All play. One, two, three. All play. This is for everybody, whether you are a member, whether you're a brand new guest, or you've just been coming for a few weeks. If you're interested, we would love, love to invite you to help us. All right? That's a pastor's favorite word. Help. All right? I want to invite you to help with our fall festival that's coming up in just a couple weeks. We host it right here but not in here. We host it out there. And we, uh, the last couple years, have been able to bless several hundred, note that, several, several hundred families in our community. And um, we give them candy. We give them some food. We give them some bounce houses. So for those parents, it's kind of like a free date. All right. And um, we also get to plant the seed of the gospel in all of their lives. So I want to invite you on your way out today, you can swing by that table that's in the foyer and sign up. Whether you just want to decorate a trunk or whether you want to serve in one of the different stations that we have available, we could use your help. So please make plans to sign up. All right. Well, I am excited today. We're going to dive in. Our series is called Fruition. It's a strange word. But it's an important word, and my favorite part of the word is the first part, fruit. And in the context of our time together and kind of giving you and me some direction today, we've been talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is what your lost friends are looking for. This is what your spouse, if they don't know the Lord, is looking for. This is what the apostle, the pastor Paul would say should, over time, should be evident in the life of a follower of Jesus. And this is kind of edgy for me to say, but even Facebook Paul, even Twitter Paul, this applies to those areas of my life as well. This isn't just for on the good days, this is in every arena. Paul would say, this is the evidence of staying in step with the Holy Spirit. There's nine fruit. But I shared last week, listen, you don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to like look at the fruit of the Spirit and see patience. Ah, that's never going to happen, Jesus. I'm never going to be patient. I just wanted to let you know. It's never going to say love. You know what? Nah, that's not going to work. I think I'll choose. You don't get to pick and choose. Paul's saying that over time, 
over the long obedience in the same direction. You stay connected to the Lord. You stay connected to the body of Christ. You stay connected to your prayer closet. You stay connected with a little bit of fasting, a lot of prayer, a lot of surrender, a lot of Jesus is first, I'm second. You do a whole lot of that over time. Over time, the fruit of the Spirit becomes evident in your life. Staying connected. Paul says this, staying connected with Christ is what makes it happen. But it's good to talk about these, to reflect on them. And here's what they are. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love that. I love thinking about it. I don't know if you've ever had this thought. But as I hear from God, can I tell you, those are the same attributes my soul receives when the Lord's speaking to me. You ever been in an anxiety storm? We're just like, you're trying. Man, the pit is so deep. You're trying to get out. You're trying. You're You're going through all the motions. But then one whisper comes in, and he's so gentle with us. He's so full of love. Then he starts bouncing around with his joy and you kind of want to kick him out of your self-pity party, but he just lifts you up and lifts you out. I think of moments in my life, experiences in my life where the Lord has shown me his love, his patience, his kindness, his goodness. Sometimes I can't help but think, I wonder what the fruit of my life looks like. (laughs) I wonder how people would describe me. Handsome, hilarious. I'm kidding. That's how my wife would describe me, of course, and my, my kids, most definitely. But you know, I want... One of the aims of my life is I want, to, I, I want people to see Jesus. And I don't say that in a pandering sort of way. And to be honest with you, this isn't really the moment you see my life. You see parts of my life here. But most of my life is outside of these four walls. It's off this platform. It's in the private spaces, the private regions of my life. It's within my home, within my community, within the relationships that I've forged. And by God's grace, not quickly, but slowly, these fruit have been playing out. I mean, if we go back 16 years now, almost 15 years and 11 months and about a week or two, I've been married to Kelly. And I'll tell you, not all of these fruit were on display in year number one. Patience? From her, maybe. From me, not so much. It was one of those things. But it's a picture of over time, over time, the Lord can transform us. The Lord can transform you. The Lord can transform me into his likeness. And so we've been looking. We've been spending some time. It's it's not been a hurry. It's not been a rush. But we've been taking each of these one Sunday at a time. And today, I believe, by some divine appointment, you're here. As I'm going to talk about Goodness. I'm going to talk about goodness. And more than talk about goodness, my prayer is that I'm going to equip you 
to lean into having a good heart. I'm going to take us to some first grade Christianity. All right? Everybody, you'll all get something out of this. I'm going to take us all the way back to some first grade level Christianity. I want you to think about this with me. Good words and good deeds come from a good heart. That's some first grade Christianity. Amen, somebody? My, my, my second daughter, our second daughter's in first grade. And this is kind of one of those thoughts. This is one of those truths. And the scripture Jesus has for us is Luke 6, 43, 45. For a good tree, or one could say this, for a good person does not bear bad fruit. Nor does a bad person or a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men and women do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of what? The good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. One of the biggest pieces of pastoral advice that my wife and I ever give people is, hey, I get it. I know what you heard. I know what you've seen. I know what you're going after. Let me ask you this. Lean into people who bear good fruit. Not people who have good information. Not people who delight or tickle the ears. Not people who are flashy or dress cool. No, 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 no. That helps. I'm not going to lie. Aesthetic value, sure, it's important. But more than anything, Al, who are they in private? Who do they speak about in private? How do they speak about people in private? How do they uh, carry out their affairs in private? More than anything, I find myself saying, hey, check the fruit. Check the fruit. Who are they on social media? Check the fruit. It's an important, important thing for us to think about. So, we're talking about goodness. The good heart is what bears good fruit. Think about that with me. The good heart is what bears good fruit. Scripture shows us that out of the heart flow all the issues of life. Come on, just turn to your neighbor and say, I've, I've got issues. Don't be shy. I've got it. You don't have a neighbor, say it to yourself. I've got issues. <laughs> we all, I got issues. In Proverbs 4.23, Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because as your neighbor just told you, it's straight out of there that all you issues are coming from. All my issues are coming from my heart. Like, come on, let's be honest. Don't you try to blame your parents a little bit? Try to blame your neighbors? Try to blame your, your, your boss or if you're the boss, your employees? 
Try to blame your past. No, 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 no. God has given us a new life in Christ. All things are made new. There comes a time in every, every one of our lives where we step in and we take responsibility. And here's what we do. We lean into the Lord. We lean into his transforming power. And he instructs us above all else, guard your heart. For out of it, for out of it flow the issues of life. Or out of it, you could say, your life has direction. So I want to talk with our remaining moments, and there's only a few of them, with our remaining moments together, I want to talk about four enemies of the heart. Talk about four enemies. You have one enemy, the enemy, the accuser, Satan. But a simple way to understand some of his tactics against us are to talk about the four enemies of the heart. Just so happened, about a decade or so ago, I read a book called The Four Enemies of the Heart by a pastor in Atlanta named Andy Stanley. And so I owe him some credit for some of these thoughts as well. But I want you to think about four enemies of the heart. We could bring up the slide. I want you to think about guilt, anger, jealousy, greed. Come on, now turn to your neighbor and say, go easy on me, pastor. <laughs> My life is like, look, it's our first time, man. Could you just, can, can you just take it easy? <laughs> Sorry, come back next week, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Listen, I see, I've seen, like I was reading this, this book and studying some of these thoughts, and I was like, ouch. You know the phrase, a mirror is much harder to hold. Oh my goodness. And it was just like, ooh, and especially 10 years ago. Man, I remember the Lord convicting me. But can I tell you, conviction is good. It leads us into a new life, into growth in Christ. And so, come on, it may be a little painful today. But I promise, it may be painful, but it's not personal. Okay? Four enemies of the heart. Guilt, anger, greed, jealousy. Here's how these work. Debt to debtor relationship. Debt dash debtor relationship. When these are at play, they can cause an imbalance in any relationship, in any arena of our life. Guilt says, okay, here's the debt to debtor relationship. Guilt says, I owe you. Anger says, you owe me. Greed says, I owe myself. Jealousy says, God owes me. These are enemies that are tripping us up. I want you to think about, uh, uh, I don't want you to think about it. But you know, heart surgery, come on, people many times are having to get the best doctors in the world to work on their heart. Sometimes our hearts have blocks. Sometimes when we're not operating the right way, sometimes when our eating or exercise or some of our living is not in the right way, it causes a block in the heart. When any of these four are on the scene of our heart, it can block the flow 
of receiving God's love and then sharing and giving God's love. Anger. Let's start there. Because none of us are angry. I'm just kidding. Let's start with guilt. All right? Guilt is I owe you. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many of you are guilty. But come on, have you ever had in a relationship or maybe your sense of God's presence, like it's a crazy first step you're even here because in, in the inner life, you feel really guilty. And a guilty perspective, a guilty lifestyle is I owe you. Typically, it's rooted in this fact that we've done something wrong. We live with a sense that we have to make it right. We've got to course correct the relationship. Our motive is not love, but our motive is guilt. Again, this is the mentality I owe you. You can play it out maybe in your life, but maybe in the lives of, of people around you. This can happen sometimes with a parent with a child. They're absent because they're working so, 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 so much. Come on, we see that in the movies, on the television shows, don't we? The, the absentee dad or the absentee mom who is working, not nine to five, nine to nine. And so they feel guilty about it. Come on, mom guilt is real, I've heard. But mom, so is dad guilt. Friendship guilt. And so we have in our mind, I Oh, you. And so I think, about, I think about this. Our motive is not love. Our motive is guilt. So we make our moves. We buy love. We buy peace. Maybe we let some things slide to make up for lost time. Materialism can become our currency for life. Come on. I'm not above operating as a parent with some guilt. I'll be honest. Sometimes when I let my daughters down, Buy him something. It just makes me feel better. Thank the Lord for the dollar tree, somebody. A dollar twenty-five tree. I see this play out. But that's kind of in minor levels. I see sometimes people in their relationships with others. I see relationships breaking down and broken. And then a feeling of guilt. It almost becomes like a cloak they wear. And they struggle with shame. They struggle with fear, which can lead to doubt. It can land up destroying relationships. Think about this. I've seen Christians, after they've received Christ, make one mistake, make one misstep, and they feel a weight of guilt that overwhelms them. I like to encourage them. The book of Hebrews says Christ died once and for all. When he died, all of your sin, past, present, and future, was taken to the cross. But that guilt can still live with us. It's the sense of I owe you. The healing pathway to removing guilt, whether it be relationship with the Lord, which is most important, whether it be relationships 
in this church or with our com- in our community or coworkers, if there's a sense of guilt, the healing pathway is confession. Just think about that. There's healing through confession. You know, like as a society, we, we've, we've lost track of the power of confession. Let me encourage you as a follower of Christ, don't let that seep into your relationship with the Lord. You don't have to go begging. You're not a beggar. You don't have to go with a ton of shame. You're not in shame. But never hide sin from the Lord. If you know that you know that you know his mercies are new every morning, guess what? Confession is a joy. It heals our heart. My family will tell you, man, Paul's favorite two words are, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who did? I'm sorry. You said what? Yeah, I know. I'm, don't worry. I'm writing an I'm sorry letter or sending an I'm sorry text. Like I feel sometimes... Our culture, we've lost sight of the mistake. We can't even admit our mistakes. It's like we've got to prop up a false self. The truth is, listen, we're all human. Give yourself some grace. Give your friends some grace. Give the people in your life some grace. But here is this truth. If you Feel guilt. You know that you did something wrong. I promise you, the healing that you're looking for, it comes through confession. Sometimes it's as simple as just saying, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did this on the way home yesterday. Come on. You're going to have to say, I'm sorry if you're stuck with your family in a car for 12 hours. For the second time in seven days. We're just driving, you know. Ke- Kelly asked where a certain store was, and I was like, mm-hmm. learned that from my daughter. That's one of my phrases. That is, I don't know. You ever done that? But you can put a little, little toot with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that led to, you know, much calmer things from, from her side. And I realized, ooh, I'm just going to say I'm sorry. Granted, I gave it 25, maybe a minute, and then I looked and I said, I'm sorry. And listen, listen, relationally, I didn't do one of those things like, I'm sorry. And then you ever do the sorry where you're, t- you're apologizing, but you're kind of blaming them. So I've learned over the years, I'm not, I'm not that stubborn. I just said, I'm sorry for the way I responded. I didn't say, oh, I'm sorry that you're overtired, that you haven't had enough coffee. I'm sorry that you're irritated with me. No, I just own me, okay? I just, my mistake, my bad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, that confession can be powerful. You know, sometimes in our relationship with, the God, with God, not the God, God, with our relationship with God, sometimes we can feel we are so far gone, so far away from Him. He's given up, forgotten, doesn't care. We think to ourselves, whew. It's just a wall of shame. He'd never welcome me back. He never wants anything to do with me. Let me tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell over your life. Your heavenly father loves you. There's nothing you can do in this moment to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do in this moment to make him love you less. But I'm telling you, there's healing when you look to the Lord and you say, Father, forgive me. 
forgive my sin. Man, forgive my mistake. Forgive that slight word. Forgive my condescending behavior. Forgive my arrogance. Forgive my pride. I just feel better already. And you get before the Lord. Here's what scriptures say. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Man, I've seen families healed, restored, set free by one person being the linchpin and saying, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And just, just unlock the grenade of God's goodness and peace and kindness. Man, it's powerful when we understand and Guilt can block that in our heart. The second I'm a little more familiar with, it's called anger. Anger, here's the debt-to-debtor relationship. Anger says this, you owe me. Like, I wish anger was more complicated, but it's not. When we don't get what we want, we get hangry. I mean, angry. When we don't get what we want, we get angry angry. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you have to slow down and reflect and get with the Lord, get in his presence, allow for his word to wash over your heart because we live busy, busy lives. And some of us, if we're not careful, we've been holding on to anger for decades. And it's surfacing in our heart. We wonder, man, why can't I love people? Why can't I care for people? Why can't I treat people like the other people at the church treat people? What's my deal? Maybe there's a heart block. Maybe it's guilt. I don't know. But maybe it's anger. That you would never, you don't wake up thinking about everybody owes you something. But deep down, there's that one person. There's that one conversation. There's that one organization. There's that one church that you've been holding on to, man, and you are angry. Like you cover it up. Come on. We learn some tricks as we get older. You just cover it up. Nothing to see here. The reality is we're angry. Here's what I know. Angry people hurt people. It leaks. <laughs> just has a way. Anger can be powerful. And it's what happens when we don't get our way. And the healing happens through forgiveness. Honestly, out of all four, it's the one I would circle. So often tempted to cut people off, to write people off. So often the enemy tempts to frustrate the love that I've so received from God and giving it to others because of anger. Now, anger can be portrayed as screaming, as yelling, and unfortunately, if it gets multiplied and never dealt with it can turn physical right that is but there's also low level surface anger it's just living with a sense and here's what i've learned here's what i've learned it's really healed and been helpful to me let it go (laughs) come on there is any 
saving grace to the movie Frozen, it's that song. Let it go. Like y'all don't even know. Lily was two when Frozen 1 came out. The struggle is real, y'all. It's real. <laughs> we got, I got so much Elsa and Anna, sometimes I wonder, I've got to get my manhood back in this place. Anyhow, Frozen, let it go. I do, hey, I don't know who owes you what, but I can, I can buy you a shortcut. Let it go. That apology you're holding out for, man, good luck. I hope it happens. Truth be told, can we be real for a moment? You, pro- you probably deserve it. Like, there's a good chance you deserve it. There's a good chance you deserve it. But in the meantime, what, you, what are we going to do? There, there's a good chance they're never going to say it. So what do we do? And we run to the Father. We run to the Father. As Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And here's the kicker. Here's the pain in the ribs. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Paul says, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. But they owe me. Look to Jesus. I can't let it go. If I let it go, it empowers their abuse. It empowers their behavior. It empowers their slander. It ain't easy, is it? It ain't easy. Forgiving is not easy. It's not the flip of a switch. But the fruit of the Spirit happens by the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul would never rush people into something. He would say, keep looking to Jesus. Sometimes all you got is Sunday morning service. Like, man, I'm so hurt. I'm so pained. I'm just going to show up next Sunday. I'm going to show up next Sunday. I'm going to show up next Sunday. And you keep showing up. You keep showing up. You keep showing up. And slowly but surely, it's like your heart starts thawing. It gets softer and softer and softer. You recognize you're not the only person that was hurt, mistreated, and broken. All of us, all of us have, all of us. We could have a good old party, maybe a little bit of a cry party, but we'd have a good old party. But we would share, we would share. There's people in this room who would share. Man, I don't know how it happened, but I kept fixing my eyes on Jesus. I kept looking at that cross. I kept seeing him up there. I kept seeing the, the, the thorns on his head, the, the, the nails in his hands and his feet, and the, the scar in his side as the blood and water mixed down. And I don't know how, but the Holy Spirit met me in that place. And man, I've got a long list of people who owe me a lot. But I've been reading lately, and I came across 1 Corinthians 13, and 
Paul's talking about love. I thought it was just a chapter for weddings, but he's talking about love. And, and he said that love keeps no record of wrongs. And so I decided they don't owe me nothing <laughs> because in Christ I have all I need. Paul invites us over time, I'm telling you, don't rush it, but over time, the adventure of relationship with God, the healings our soul needs to reap His fruit happen by making some hard decisions. Making some hard decisions. Dealing with guilt. Dealing with anger. Hmm. Been pretty comfortable so far. Let's keep going. Dealing with greed. I don't like talking about greed. It's the I owe myself. It's a little too close for comfort. But greed, we'll move quickly. Greed is the sense of I owe myself. It can block the heart as well. Here's what greed can do if I put it in a Picture, you've seen perhaps me do this before, but if this is my problem, here's, here's greed's outlook on life. It's um, narrow. It's all about me. And like, you're going to have a greedy moment. That's okay. You just don't want to have a greedy life. And this is, this, is, this is greed. I, I owe me. I owe me. My problem's the biggest. I owe moi. Here's the healing. It's really quick. We'll move quickly. Healing through generosity. Healing through generosity. Say it again. Healing through generosity. Maybe it's a little old school for some of you. I remember hearing years ago, if I'm in need, Give. Didn't always come back how I wanted it, but it kept the heart flowing well. I'm convinced over the years, I'm convinced, I think the Lord established the tithe, not because he needed our money, but our hearts needed to refrain from greed. Keep our hearts and selves generous. Amen? Greed, I'm not going to have time to do it full justice. But there's healing through generosity. I, th I think of this. You can feel compassion toward people in need. You can feel encouragement and kindness towards people that are discouraged. It's not only a financial, materialistic mindset. It's everything that we have. We can begin to operate generously to others. Best thing to do when you're disappointed and discouraged so grab your phone and text 10 people. Man, you, well, you know, do it the right way. I was about to say, you know, text your bro. Man, you look so good, but that's kind of weird. You don't want to do that. <laughs> I take that thought captive and say that sounds weird. All right. But you get, you, get, you get on your phone. You get on your email list. You get on Facebook. I don't care. Encourage somebody. Be generous. Give. You see a need. You might be like, man, it's just, it's just a cup of coffee. I don't care. Keeps your heart, keeps your flow of God's love going. So powerful. I've told you, uh, <laughs> well, I've told people many times, I've been that guy 
just down here at Coffee Crossing, oh, man, your pastor, I apologize up front. There'd be a, like a 10 flow deep line of generosity. Hey, did you know the person bought your coffee in front of you? I, like, I didn't. That's awesome. Thank you. And then I drive off and break the line of generosity. Like, <laughs> man, your pastor is greedy. <laughs> And then I get all charismatic. Look, I don't want to rob them of their blessing. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. We got to wrap up. I don't even know what that means. Somebody, somebody, you greedy. God just wanted to get you. You got, you need, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. All right, all right. So, uh, be generous. That's it. Keep that heart going. And then this last, this last uh, can be very painful at times. Not here, not at 9.30, but uh, 11 a.m. This, this is going to convict them. Jealousy, and here's the phrase, God owes me. You know, I talked about anger. I'm just having a little point of reflection. I won't go long. This is the one that trips me up. Probably the most. Like I said, I was in my car uh, with the family 12 hours yesterday, so I didn't reflect as much on this last point, but I'm just seeing it now. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It, it, it's that comparison trap. You ever bought into that comparison trap? I think sometimes it's the power of social media. I think sometimes it's the Desires of the heart. Don't you like, you see what I did there? I just tried to blame social media for my problems. <laughs> As I'm telling you, run to Jesus. Jesus is like, yeah, it ain't social media. It's your heart. Dude. Okay, I received that. So let, let's proceed. <laughs> Jealousy. God owes me. Okay, so Andy Stanley says something. It's very painful, but I'm going to say it. And let's, let's, we will collectively blame him. Not you, me. We'll collectively blame him. He said this, and I look, it's almost like I heard it and I looked around like, not me. Jealousy operates feelings of satisfaction when someone has a setback or loss. That's what I thought. Y'all guilty. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But have you ever, I, I thought about that, man, in my darkest moments. Sometimes the, the people, I didn't even know I was in competition. I didn't know I was angry at them. I didn't even know I didn't like them. But I'm just glad that Tennessee kicked the winning field goal and <laughs> Alabama lost. Marrying in an Auburn family, it was a moment of deliverance for me. But I didn't even know I was so jealous of all the trophies Alabama has. But sometimes jealousy gets the best of us and it can slow our heart down. For me, I remember being jealous as I looked at what others had and I did not. I remember feeling like somehow God had forgotten about me or I was left behind. And... Um, Occasionally, I talk about self-pity because uh, I feel like, you know, I could have started an organization on self-pity. 
it was so much wrapped in my inner life during my teenage and young adult years. I remember graduating college. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Let me just be transparent for a moment. I thought God owed me a job. I remember in, the, in a quiet time, like, God, I went to school for you. Figure this out. <laughs> if this is your first time, I, I really mean, come back next week, please. I think it's going to be a lot, a lot healthier. This is my therapy session. Next week is going to be good. But I remember, I remember. And you know, the moment when I felt that the most, I want to tell you about your Heavenly Father. I was fist clenched, frustrated and angry with him. But you know what he did? He sneak attacked me. He came in with his kindness and he said, Paul, not forgotten about you. He said, Paul, the dreams in your heart will come to life in the right timing. He said, you never have to feel left behind, left out, or that somehow you've been overlooked. He said, I weep with you in the pain. I meet you in the broken places. And allow for my love to heal that area of your heart. And let's do this together. It's crazy how generous God is. It's remarkable that in our wrongdoing, whether it be guilt, whether it be anger, whether it be greed, whether it be jealousy, God meets us. You want to know one of the reasons we can understand that? God is good. He has good words. He has good actions because he has a good heart towards you. And let me end by reminding us all of Joseph. That the favor of God was always on Joseph's life. In the pit, in the prison, the most deep wounds of betrayal and mistrust. God met him there, and God promoted him from the pain. And I believe that happens in all of our lives as we meet with the Lord and allow for him to have his way in us, that we can reach such a place as Joseph did, where at the hands of his betrayers, he looked at them and said, man, you caused this for evil, but you forgot one thing. God's involved. And he didn't cause it to happen, but he uses it all for his good, for his glory, and for my healing. It's remarkable, the end of the story of Joseph. So God invites us to live in the Spirit, to walk in step with the Spirit. And my heart today was to remind us, man, let's keep our hearts free of guilt, of jealousy, of greed, of anger. Let's forgive irrationally and ridiculously. Let's let God's love pour deeply into our hearts that it may pour to the world around us. Amen?